Welcome to the Network Marketing Heroes Podcast, hosted by 40-year network marketing veteran, author of best-selling books, The Four-Year Career, and Mach 2 with Your Hair on Fire, and world-renowned speaker, Richard Bliss Brook. When it comes to success in network marketing, who better to learn from than leaders who have actually done it? Listen as Richard interviews top leaders and gives you a behind-the-scenes look at how they did it. You'll get incredible tips and duplicable actions you can do right now to build your own four-year career. Stay tuned after this episode for an exclusive discount code to get 10% off Richard's easy-to-use tools that will help propel your network marketing business to the next level at blissbusiness.com. Hey, everybody. Richard Bliss Brook here. Welcome to another Bliss Business Hero Call. I'm coming to you from the lovely island of Lanai, Hawaii, and I've got a phenomenal couple I'm going to interview here today on Hero Call number 91. In the last three years, I've sought out 91 people that have ethically and honorably built their own four-year career or greater in one of the industry's best companies. So when we're out looking for heroes in Bliss Business, we're looking first at what company did they build in? Is this a legacy company? Is this a company that has withstood the test of time? Is this a company that's legitimate and ethical and has real products? And how have the people gone about building their business? There's a lot of people in four, five, six years have built big organizations. But how have they gone about doing it? So what we look for in these hero calls are people that have a reputation of being ethical and uh, honorable leaders of integrity. People that put people first. And they put their reputation and the reputation of network marketing above you know, every recruiting opportunity and every advancement opportunity. So the next thing I want to tell you about the hero calls is the obvious disclaimer. So it's the do try this at home, <laughs> but don't expect the same results. So we pick on these hero calls, people that have crushed it, people that have built enormous empires. I mean, you know, some of the people we've had on these calls have made, you know, crazy amounts of money and built huge, huge teams. And the purpose of us profiling people that do that well is not to infer that you will do that well because they're obviously they're obvious exceptions to the norm. You're all we're all familiar with the income disclosure statements and you know, only 1% of the people make the money and you know, the great thing about network marketing is you can be one of those 1%. The odds are not stacked against you. You can absolutely be one of the 1%. But, you know, very few people do extremely well. The people that are sort of attracted to what we do here at Bliss Business are people that, in, in addition to building their own empire, they're dedicated to changing those percentages to make it 2 or 3% that do really well. And then maybe 5 or 6% that do really well. So the reason that we pick exceptional stories that with people that have built huge organizations is not to insinuate that you can do the same thing, but to, in, to infer and build belief that whatever it is you want to do, you can do it. 
So if we're talking to somebody that makes twenty or thirty thousand dollars a month after four or five years building a business, the inference is not that you will make twenty or thirty or thirty or forty thousand dollars a month after four or five years, but that your dream of making an extra thousand dollars a month or two thousand dollars a month or five hundred dollars a month, you can do that. And guess what? The people that we've interviewed, if you study them, they can inspire you to that. So today we have a couple that uh, I have been introduced to at uh, Eric Worre's GoPro event a couple times, seen them on stage, watched their social media, really incredible style, beautiful people with, with real phenomenal social media style. I can just tell from talking to them and watching how they move in the world that you know, ethics and integrity and leadership is really high on their list. They're all about personal development. They're all about supporting people and they're crushing it. And so we're going to hear their story. They are top leaders in isogenics. We've interviewed a lot of isogenics people because there's a lot of very su good success stories in there. And today we're going to hear from Eden and Zach Slobin. <laughs> I got it <laughs> on the second try. S-L-O-B-I-N. So guys, welcome to the Hero Call. Thank you so much for having us, Richard. Um, it was a pleasure meeting you this past, I think it was past November. Um, yep. Your beautiful wife. We actually, uh, we had shared a story with you that we saw you about four years ago from across the room at a restaurant in Sedona. We knew all about you. We'd been following your work, but we wanted to let you have your experience and enjoy your holiday so we didn't introduce ourselves at that time but we're grateful that uh, the opportunity came back around where we had the chance to do it and we're just grateful for all that you've done for the industry and for having these types of calls where the conversation is about stories and doing things the right way and how anybody really can create success inside of this industry if they're willing to learn the skills and be coachable and find a great company and we're just we're honored to participate and to have even been asked to join you today. So thank you so much for having us. Thank you, Eden. I, I told Zach when he told me that story and I told Kimmy that story. I remember exactly where we were sitting in that restaurant outside by the creek. And I mean, I have such respect for your restraint and your honor. And wow, do I wish you would have come over so we could have connected. <laughs> that would have been fun. I know Kimmy would have enjoyed it. And I don't remember if it was a special occasion or we were just driving around Arizona. But um, yeah, that's an interesting story because, you know, not very many people would, would do that. <laughs> so um, speaking of stories, my first question is, tell me your story. What were you doing before Isogenics? And if Isogenics, is Isogenics your first network marketing company or second or third? It's my first and Zach's third. 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 Okay, so I'm gonna ask this question then, uh, of starting with you, Zach. What was your first network marketing company? My first network marketing company, I actually was a, a partner in starting. We. It, it's debunked now. It, it, it doesn't exist. The okay. CEO off with the money within like six or seven months, but we were a coffee company importing coffee from seven different countries in Africa. And uh, okay. 
I thought I was going to make it big and my whole, everyone said I was nuts. And so they were right after about six months. So your story was we're the only network marketing company in the history of the world that is importing seven oh, <laughs> different countries. <laughs> I would have loved to have heard that. So before that, Zach, what were you doing? Who were you? Where were you? And what were you doing? And then add to that, how did you first hear about network marketing? Who introduced you to the concept? Their name doesn't really matter unless it matters to you. I'm more interested in what was your relationship to them and what did they say? Actually, so I have a long history with it because my dad was the first person to introduce me to network marketing. Um, wow. Whose name is also Richard. My parents divorced when I was a kid and when my dad was trying to figure out different ways to put his life back together financially, one of the things that he found himself in, involved with was network marketing. So my first exposure was my dad saying, hey, come with me to Oxnard, California. I want you to take a look at this business venture I'm doing. And it was this factory and the product was a bar of soap and inside the bar of soap was a plastic toy. And the idea being that when kids were, exactly, the idea being when, kid, when kids were done having a bunch of baths, they'd be left with this toy. And he explained kind of this multi-level marketing idea to me. And I always knew I was gonna be an entrepreneur. So that was my first exposure to network marketing. I thought of it as a complete joke. I thought it was a fallacy. I thought that there was nothing real about it. I was gonna be a real businessman. So to answer your question about how I ended up finding my way to network marketing was, I had gotten into traditional entrepreneurship and I learned a very significant lesson at the age of about 24 years old. I didn't get something in writing and I cost myself about $200,000 in a bad partnership. And so I had to go get a job and I was working in a telemarketing center. I was, just, I was working in telemarketing because I had to make some money. And the, the sales manager there one day says to me, he goes, hey, he goes, he goes, look, you're a sharp kid. He goes, I want to take a look at a business with you. He says, I don't drink coffee. You drink coffee. Would you be willing to give me your opinion on something? Come with me to San Jose, right? Just the ultimate backdoor approach. And um, I go, sure, I'll go with you. And he, uh, he drive, we drive down there together and they're serving this coffee. And to me, the coffee's phenomenal. So the product was delicious. And then they say, we're going to distribute it using network marketing. And I literally just slumped down in my chair, arms crossed, no thank you. And I, um, I, I walked outside and a gentleman pulled me aside. And he said, look, Zach, he says, you don't know this yet. He said, but you have the potential to be one of the most powerful networkers I've ever met. He said, go home and do your research on this profession. And if you really get what it's all about and you still decide it's not for you, then no big deal, we'll part as friends. And I thought that seems fair enough. So I went home and I Googled and I researched and I saw the good, the bad and the ugly. And that's when I came across um, Brilliant Compensation by Tim Sales. Yeah, great piece. And when I saw that video, I couldn't stop thinking about it because I really understood the model. I understood that if I could if I could teach people how to create anywhere from small to large results in their lives, then I could in turn create the residual income that I'd always wanted to create in my own life. And so that's when I ended up falling in love with it. Beautiful. So how long ago did you get started in isogenics and Eden, if isogenics then was your first opportunity, you got to somehow there's a story here of love, romance, business, recruiting, something. Tell me that story. Well, when Zach and I first started dating, he was a customer of Isagenics. He had retired from the network marketing industry completely. Um, 
done. You cannot pay me to join a company. Like, <laughs> oh, that uh, when you say retired, you don't mean he'd earned so much money that he was sitting on a beach. No, no. no he gave it up. <laughs> I don't know if retired is the right word. Repulsed by. Right. Repulsed by. <laughs> well, Zach, okay, go ahead, Eden. So Zach's previous company had been tied to the real estate market. And so in 2008, 2009, when that all went south, so did the company. And um, he just ended up having a bad taste in his mouth, went back into more of a traditional business entrepreneur model, if you will. He started his own company. Um, and then by the time we met, he was actually taking a little bit of a break from that and working in the fitness industry. He just went back and got a regular job uh, just to kind of figure out some things as an entrepreneur. And so when we first started dating and he shared the products with me just as a customer, he didn't even tell me that it was network marketing. He didn't tell me there was a financial opportunity attached. I was just really enjoying the products. And it wasn't until people in my life started asking me about it did he then share with me that there was an opportunity. Uh, but my first exposure to network marketing was when I was 18 years old. I had a next door neighbor who had gotten involved in the company. He took me to an event. It was very, very hypey. That company is no longer around. And I just never realized that it was a very respectable profession. I, I knew that residual income was where it was at from a long-term wealth building perspective because I had been working professionally inside of the entertainment industry in Los Angeles. And I saw that the ultra wealthy people whose money I managed made the majority of their income through passive and residual sources through royalties of making films and whatnot and i didn't know that there was any other way to create residual income outside of the entertainment industry so i was hoping that one day i might be able to wear a producer hat uh, and be able to earn some royalties of my own and so when zach shared with me that this product that i was really enjoying people who were asking me about it you know were um I was starting to get a lot of inquiries about it. When he shared with me that this was network marketing, it all clicked. Network marketing, residual income. I hate my job. Maybe this is what I've been looking for. And so I started to look more closely at the industry. Um, one of the first videos he had me watch was Brilliant Compensation, so I could really wrap my head around the business model. And I decided to become a student of the industry. Uh, because of his background and where he was at in his career, because our relationship was so new, he didn't want to build with me in the beginning. In fact, I think he thought that it wasn't something I would either have success with or I wouldn't see all the way through. No chance I think she was serious. <laughs> None. <laughs> you got recruited for the third time, Zach. Oh, I got laid out. She, <laughs> I got laid out. I mean, she... Um, she kind of started doing it on her own part-time, little 15-minute pockets here and there because she was working, you know, a pretty high-pressure job. And then really after like two months, she comes to me and she's like, literally, she goes, look, dude. She goes, I Googled you. I've seen your articles on this. I've, I've seen your videos. She says, I haven't spent the last 10 years of my life looking for the man I want to be married to, just be separated for 15 hours a day doing things that we hate. What about when we have kids? I want to be able to travel. I want to make an impact. Let's go do this. And uh, Wow. Yeah, in that moment, it was like the clouds parted, the heavens blared, like, thank you, it's confirmed, she's my soulmate, and it was absolutely terrifying, terrifying, because I just, I knew what it took. So, um, what, what we call that, Eden, is casting a vision for somebody, and what a, re what a powerful move you made there, that's, that's remarkable. Without that, 
I would guess without that moving, I mean, the total vision cast, all the detail, all the richness, without that, you guys could have spun off in a lot of different directions. So how long ago was that? That was a little over five years ago. Wow. Okay. So, and you live in? We live in La Jolla now. We started in LA in a small dark apartment and we now live in our dream home. Paradise. Yep. Six, six minutes from the water. Nice. That's awesome. All right. So tell me about the launch. So, uh, you both have jobs Mm -hmm. and, uh, were you living together? Basically. More or less. Yeah. Unofficially, unofficially. We had, I had to deal with my, I, I said, I, I told her after our first date, I said, I'm going to go home and I'm going to tell my mom that I found the woman that I want to marry. And my mom said, okay, just promise that you want to officially move in together for at least 90 days. But by the time we, by the time she kind of, you know, put her foot down and said, we're doing this. Yeah. We had been living together for what, about two and a half months at that point, yeah. three months. Yeah. All right. So tell me how you logistically started the business. So how did you, when did, what hours did you put in? How did you work together? Did you do it from home? Did you do it from a coffee shop? Did you go immediately into social media? What was your combined strategy? Well, the first thing we did is we had some very real upfront agreements as a, in, in partnership with each other. And what it, what it looked like was the night she challenged me to do it with her, I said, fine, but you've got to understand then that we're going to have to create an agreement up front. And here's what that's going to look like. There are going to be times where the boyfriend hat comes off and the business coach mentor hat goes on. And you've got to know that there are going to be times where you want to fight with me. You want to argue with me. You're going to cry. You're not, it's not going to feel good. And there's only one way I know how to do this and that's to run fast, run straight to the top of the company. So sweetheart, I love you. It's my way or no way whatsoever. That that was our, that was up front. Wow. The reason I took that stand with her was because I could tell, I knew without a shadow of a doubt that if she was willing to put in the work and learn the skills, I knew she could become one of the most powerful networkers in the world. I saw that for her. And so I was willing early on to risk our relationship for who she could become. That was a non-negotiable for me. Very powerful. And how did that land with you, Eden? I was all in. I'm such a, such a red type, fiery personality that to have to have someone by my side who was willing to run fast with me and tell me that success loves speed. I loved that guidance. Yeah. I was ready to run hard. And in terms of the logistics of how we did it, um, working over 40 hours a week, I started to wake up an hour or two earlier. I listened to podcasts, learning about the industry, listening to trainers, success stories. I wanted to hear the language and the lingo and, learn as much as I could. So I went from listening to music in the car and at the gym to just listening to great information that was going to help me advance my skills in the business. Smart. Uh, And I, I went to the gym before work because I knew if I could open up my gym hour to make calls, that would be a better time to actually reach people. So I did all of my personal things during hours where I knew I couldn't contact anyone like five, six o'clock in the morning, I couldn't be making calls that early. So I used that time to educate myself, get my personal things out of the way. And then what I started to do was I'd find little 15 minute pockets here and there in my workday. I'd run downstairs for a coffee break, but I'd make a phone call asking somebody to take a look. I would schedule a three-way call during my workday, knowing I could only listen in on it 
but I'd sneak into the stairwell or the file closet to make a quick introduction and just creep back to my desk. So I was constantly finding a way to still perform very well at my job that was responsible for paying my bills, but finding little pockets of time where I could work my business. And that worked really well for me. So tell me about the numbers. Um, first 90 days, once you declared you're going to build this with speed, um, how many people did you enroll? So in the first 90 days, the majority of that, I was on my own. And then Zach joined me about two months in. Um, and we enrolled 20 people total in our first 90 days. Wow, that's a great start. Nobody quits after enrolling 20 people in their first 90 days. So that, that pretty much bulletproofs the business right there. And so what about the first year? What were roughly your personal enrollments and you can, if you gave people away because of structure, that doesn't matter. What I'm interested in is how many people did you personally connect with, show them the opportunity and enroll regardless of where they ended up in your first year? We personally enrolled roughly 115 people from the wow. year started one year later. Okay, so that's an over the top number. Uh, rarely do I hear a number that high. So then people are going to want to know, how'd you do that? Where did you find those people? How did you put together that level of speed? And I'm also interested in your ratios. So if you put in 100 people, what would you generally tell me your ratio presentation to enrollment is? So how many people would you present to to enroll one? That's a couple of different questions there. So we, we did a combination of things. I, I'm a really big believer in uh, old school principles fused with new school technologies, right? So yes, we use social media and that was a big part of our first year for sure. Um, and I, my background, some of my background was, was teaching networkers early on how to use social media in a way that was non-spammy, really used to connect with people and things like that. So we were able to leverage social media pretty positively. But there was also always the agreement that we're going to do this belly to belly as well. So one of our agreements early on was five new contacts a day. We both had to find five new people to present to every single day, non-negotiably. And literally, Eden would come home from her office and I'd say, okay, who were your five? And she'd say, you know, she'd say, Richard, Samantha, Tommy, Mike, and Rachel. And I'd say, no, 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 Rachel was last week. She said, well, I was following up with her. Uh-uh, that's true. And there was wow. she would go to, she would leave the house. I'd say, go find number five. And she'd leave the house to go meet someone at Whole Foods or a Starbucks or something like that after, after the workday. So we were, we were pretty intense. Um, so we use social media a lot. And then from a conversion perspective, our conversion was pretty, pretty high. high. Pretty well, high. two to one, three to one. Three to one, I'd say probably about 30, probably about that. I mean, and, and, and that's why we're always, we're always reluctant when we get asked that question, we're always reluctant to answer because our, our enrollment rate is, significantly higher than the norm. Now, that being said, I, I've been in sales since I was 15 years old, right? So by the time we started together, that's almost 15 years worth of sales experience, NLP, knowing how to write, ask the right questions, building systems for us, giving her a template to follow, how to ask the right questions, how to overcome objections, things like that. Right. So I don't know that it's, for anyone that's listening that's new, 
we're, we're always hesitant to say that we always wanted to give the disclaimer of the, the experience that was brought to the table with it because I just think that's important because when I first started in network marketing it was probably one in every like 200 I guess yeah well so to map a couple things on the, the basic plan that we teach at Bliss Business for for not like one out of 10,000 people not the unicorns but the normal people is if you'll just ask one person a day to look at your opportunity and you do that for 90 days, you will have done more in the last 90 days than 99.9% .9 of the people in your company. <laughs> and people say, well, you know, that's not very fast. Well, it's faster than 99.9% .9 of the people in your company. And the thing is, when you do one a day for about two or three weeks, you know, you, you get in a groove a little bit and then you can do two if you want, and then you can do three. So I kind of give that as a contrast so that folks listening to this can say, oh, wow, they built a huge organization in five years. Yeah, but it's two people, five new people a day. That's 10 a day. That's 10 times more than I teach people like, okay, you want to make this work for you? So that's huge. And, and then enroll, your enrollment ratio just comes with experience you know people that look at their ratio now and they go oh my gosh i have to talk to five or six people to get one into business well how many presentations have you done in the last year i'll bet it's like 20 or 30 not 100 right so the more we do the better we get so what happened the second year did you throttle down on personal enrollments yeah big time Big time. Um, we really started focusing a lot on developing the people we had that were raising their hands and really giving them quality time matching energy for energy. And we enrolled about 35-ish people um, in our second year. And we've done somewhere in the range of 30 to 40 people every year since then. Yeah, beautiful. Okay, so if we can also just show people, and you may not know this, so maybe kind of guess. At the end of your first year, how big was your team, roughly? Um, She's the smart one. I don't. Maybe we had grown our team by seven hundred to a thousand people. All right. Well, that's that's huge because somewhere around the three, four, five hundred mark, your income, even at that level, is going to be residual. You're going to have out of three or 400 people, you're going to have three or four that are as good or better than you are. You may not have, but the average person that gets three or 400 people on their team is going to have three or four people on their team that are more ambitious, better leaders, better recruiters, better social media, better marketers, better everything. And as soon as you get three or four people that are better than you, you're good. You can grow it as big as you want, but so you had about a thousand. You may not have had somebody, but I'm curious. Did you have out of that thousand people? Did some somebody somewhere in that thousand were they as good or better than you? And I mean in terms of their horsepower. There was we. So speaking of belly to belly, we went to um, a workshop for our wedding photographers, and we met three of our partners, three women who ended up partnering up with us that day, who were all big influencers in their own right. And they, most of them got, or a couple of them got off to the races fast and the other one kind of came along later. 
So that was a big contributor. Just that one day of saying yes to being asked a favor led to three women who, um, who led to some really sizable growth in our, in our business. Wow. I didn't, want to, story. I didn't want to go to that photo shoot. I thought it was a waste of time. I was like, we could be focused on our business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So what did it look, what did your business look like by the end of the second year? Uh, it got, I mean, it grew, it, it, like it really like the compound effect took over really quickly because we, we were just running and our story was gaining momentum more than anything else. I think, um, I don't know. That's, that's all you, like, I don't know. I don't know where I don't, I, I probably should be better about our numbers. I but don't know those numbers. She's a, all right. Well, I know the ending number, so I can just work back from it. If you had a thousand people at the end of the first year, you probably had three or 4,000 by the end of the second year. You probably had about 10,000 by the end of the third year. Cause now you have 35,000 people on your team, which, you know, makes you multi multi millionaires in residual income and especially helps that you chose a legacy company as opposed to some fizzle stick. And, um, that's that contributes to our profession <laughs> one of the one of the biggest downers of our profession is all the people who swear they would never ever ever do network marketing and then you know the next day they join some complete stupid pyramid scheme and it's a train wreck for everybody all right so tell us about social media is it is it the primary way that you have recruited or is it 50 50 belly to belly and if so give us some tips in both I, it's really flipped on its head significantly when we first started i would say that social media was responsible for about 80 percent of what we did and now i would say from a personal enrollment perspective personally sponsoring i'd say 90 percent of what we do is belly to belly 90 percent mm -hmm. our one of our biggest business partners was a gentleman who was our limousine driver in maui two years ago you know, wow. one of our biggest partners. Um, we we're just we love connecting with people out and about. It's one of our favorite things to do. So it's really flipped on its head. Um, I'll say this about social media. I've I've watched social media for a very long time. I think it's a phenomenal tool. I think that there's a significant amount of codependency that's happening in our industry when it comes to social media, and a lot of people are forgetting that at the end of the day, this is a, this is a people to people business. Um, so we really have transitioned kind of our personal philosophy when it comes to using social media to really use it as a, as a living, breathing digital magazine of who we are. So that if we do connect out in a restaurant, if we do, you know, get on the phone with you and you want to kind of look us up, then you'll see that who you met in person matches who you see online. And that's kind of yeah. how we use that. So when you're out and about in the world, do you two always look that good? Cause you look really good on social media. <laughs> yeah, she does. <laughs> all right um so either one of you can answer this what is the biggest mistake you've made in the last four and a half years and let me quantify what i mean by mistake this could be a one-time blunder or it could be a bad habit that you repetitively made. And it doesn't have to be a mistake that showed up in your business. It could be a mistake in integrity, relationship, 
health, team growth, anything. What's your biggest mistake? And uh, if you can, each of you give me one that you personally made. My gut says we're thinking the same thing. That's my gut. That's what we'll see what she has to say. Um, in our second year, we had some, we had, we had new leaders rising up and we had some, we had, we had new leaders rising up. And I think that at that time, we were probably overly rigid in our beliefs of how things should be done. And we, we sought, what we didn't recognize was that we didn't recognize that these people were really crying out for a desire to feel significant in their own way and not be under our umbrella. And I think that we were overly, overly controlling to a certain degree. And that led to a fracture in our organization. It really did. And I think that the biggest mistake was that we were able to raise our hands early on and say, you know what, we've been too controlling, like, let's work together. Let's, let's collaborate. Let's figure this thing out. But the, that wasn't necessarily the mistake. The mistake was that we allowed ourselves energetically to get hooked by that entire situation because there was drama from that part of the organization. There was gossip. There was all this kind of muck. And we allowed ourselves to get really caught up in it. And that's part of what slowed down our build, quite frankly. Um, so the biggest mistake I'd say that we made was that we allowed ourselves to say, stay energetically and emotionally hooked by what had transpired. And we didn't break it as soon as we probably should have. Um, that being said, we're both big believers that all things are working perfectly and pr from a timing perspective. But for me, that was our biggest, that was our biggest thing. Well, without getting hooked by it and letting it suck you down the rabbit hole, you wouldn't have it as a profound story and lesson to coach other people through. So 100%. 100%. What, what's yours, Eden? Well, that by far has been the greatest growth point and impetus for continual growth that I've ever experienced. It caused me to really look in the mirror in a new way and take stock in how I was showing up and gave me an opportunity to really up-level my leadership skills. It also led us to starting to make decisions in our business that aren't smart decisions. Things like running promotions or trainings or, um, any you're changing our systems those would all be smart decisions talking with more people and instead shifting to making healthy decisions so what decisions can we make that will support the overall health of the relationships the family atmosphere that we want to create that we choose to create inside of our organization what are the decisions that are going to promote the overall health of the organization as a large organism knowing that energy every bit of energy affects the the whole um, so that 100% is my biggest lesson and, and kind of piggybacking on that was allowing my health to suffer um, tremendously from just the stress that I put myself under um, in addition to not really creating boundaries in the beginning of our build, knowing when to turn it off at the end of the night, uh, knowing when it was time to nurture the relationship instead of just driving, driving towards a goal. And it's important that we find a balance between the idea of success, love, speed, and honoring ourselves, our bodies, our families, making sure that we're taking care of our energy. Because at the end of the day, no matter how much money we're making, if we don't have our health, we have nothing and we miss the whole point. Right. Beautiful. 
So that leads me to my next question, which I think you just answered for you, Eden, which is what's the smartest thing you've done in the last four and a half years? Um, so I love your language there, the healthiest thing. So what is the healthiest, smartest, best thing you've done in the last four and a half years that you could give the audience as something for them to consider deploying in their own build? I think for us is that we, we got committed to a philosophy of building our life and then building our business around our life. I think so often, whether it be in network marketing or any other endeavor, you see people put business at the forefront of everything. And so for us, it was, no, we're going to put our life first. We're going to put our marriage first. We're going to put our personal growth first and then we'll work our business out around that and everything will take care of itself and so we implement things like sacred time in the morning sacred time at night you know our phones are never in our bedroom no business talk allowed in the bedroom um, <laughs> those types of principles which is really a tough one because we get so yes. excited about it. right yeah <laughs> um, but those those types of principles have been probably the smartest and healthiest thing we've done from a from a business sense and it's because we we're, we're taking care of ourselves before anything else and i think to, for me that's probably been the smartest thing we've done so okay shifting gears that's beautiful i love that just the whole healthy cultural aspect of the business um so tell me this when you're talking to somebody how do you describe network marketing either by the questions that you ask or the stories that you tell or the facts that you sell, how do you describe network marketing in a way that works? Like you actually get somebody interested. What do you say about it? Um, that's a great question. So I learned from Tony Robbins a long time ago, let your prospect determine your presentation. And so we tend to try and stay away from cookie cutter responses. And just a muscle that we've both built is, creating analogies. So oftentimes, like if we're speaking with a hairstylist, I'm going to create an analogy and give them an, a, an idea of what if every time you cut someone's hair and they referred someone to you to get their haircut, not only would your client get paid, you get paid. And then imagine for a second that your, that your second client, that, that client was so inspired by the hairstyle that they, that, they, that they got from you that someone on the East Coast went to their stylist and said, hey, I want this kind of a style, just like my friend Susie got, and you got paid for that as well. So I'm always looking to create analogies for people to understand the model, and that's usually enough for them to go, oh, I got it. And then from there, um, we have some tools that we've developed to, to help people kind of understand, you know, the compound effect and, and, and generate uh, uh, an exponential growth and things like that. And then we'll use tools like, we'll use tools like the four-year career. You know, we'll just, we'll, we'll ask people, we'll say, hey, like if I gave you a really quick, easy read to help you understand how this model works, would you read it? You know, would you take some time to do some due diligence and understand what this profession's all about? And oftentimes they'll say yes. And I think a big part of that has to do with our posture and how we carry ourselves and then seeing our results, you know? Um, but we're really big on leveraging tools. We try our best not to be the experts. We want people to look at us and go, you're, I can do what you're doing. I can ask the questions you're asking. Um, so that's a long-winded answer, but that's, that's really the, the reality of it for us. Well, that's a good answer. Thanks for the plug. <laughs> so, Eden, what do you do with uh, people on your team that, you know, they enroll with the big ideas, they want to build with you, they want to do this and that, and 
30, 60, 90 days or a year later, they can't get out of their own way. They can't navigate through life. Life is dominating what they do. And how do you get them to survive and re-engage? Or do you? That's a great question, a loaded question. Um, there's a couple of steps that I take. So as to avoid someone feeling like life has gotten away from them. One is that I do my best to keep them plugged into things like group trainings and getting to regional events. Once they plug into the community, regardless of the company that they're a part of, they feel like they're part of something that's bigger than them. And so when life gets tough, they know that they can plug into the community and whether or not they're actively building doesn't matter to us. We always tell people, we don't care how fast or slow you go. All we care is that you go. And so with that philosophy, my goal with everyone is to keep them out of overwhelm and to just help them see small wins. So I just, instead of giving somebody all of the tools and all of the books and all of the systems and the whole comp plan to conquer at once and talk to them about their five-year goal before just their 90-day goal, I like to chunk things down into small baby steps. And so as long as they're showing up for me, they know I'm going to show up for them. And I'm always just going to hold their hand and give them what's their next step. What's their next step? What's their next step? Knowing that with every small win along the way, they'll start to build their confidence. So at least they stick around long enough to over time develop the skills that will allow them to overcome some of the challenges that life might throw at them. And with that said, we also, we teach the importance of personal development alongside learning the network marketing skills because you you can't outwork your mindset. And so we, we teach people and we send the message of work as hard on yourself as you are on your business. And so from the beginning, our, um, our intention is for people to feel supported with the community, to understand that personal development will help to support them. And no matter what gets thrown their way along the way. And we help to just walk them through one step at a time so that they get their wins and start to believe that this can really work for them. Beautiful. I think the other side of it also that we do is we have a lot of, um, we, when we start somebody, we talk about a, a seven to 10 year journey, you know? And so we recognize that they might have a slow season in their life. And so we're willing to give them permission to say, Hey, you know what, if you're in a winter right now, like, embrace the winter. Like, let's maybe just have you only focus on using the products, right? Like maybe let's just, let's just revert back to you just being excited about why you started in the first place. Let's just get you focused on the products. Let's get you going to the gym every day. Let's make sure you're drinking enough water. Like we really focus on helping them feel empowered to take care of themselves because the way we look at it is I'd rather have you take a slow winter and be with me five years from now than say, Oh, well, you're not producing, forget it. Right? Like we, right cultivate a, a feeling of family and I think our team I, I think our team gets that so they always recognize that it's a safe space for them to come to us and say like hey you know my grandmother just passed away I'm, I'm going through a divorce or whatever it is like help me to stay tell me to stay engaged and they know that it's not going to be we'll go out and talk to 500 people right they know it's going to be something based on our relationship with them about something that's going to serve them. Because at the end of the day, we always will put our people over profits, always, no matter what. And if that means slowing down so they can speed up, then that we're going to do that every day of the week. Right. 
Okay, my next question is, tell me a success story. Maybe it's the photography people, maybe it's the limo driver. Um, who have you personally sponsored that is the greatest success story? Who were they before Isogenics? How did you meet them? What did you say to them, if you can remember? What did they say back to you, if you can remember? What was the gestation romance period like? And what have they built how many years later? I think it's, I think it's our, it's our, it's, it's our, yeah, it's our limo driver. I mean, it's just such an amazing story. So we were in Maui for, for a company event and our car time was slated, we were slated to be picked up at like 8 a.m. And Eden was like, I don't want to leave so early. Let me just ask the company if they'll move our limo back by like 30 minutes. And I'm like, come on, I don't want to be late to the airport. Like we'd already missed our flight to get to Maui in the first place. And I said, I said, can we just, and she's like, no, I want to hang out and have coffee with our friends. Right. And I said, okay. And we ended up getting into a limo that we were in theory, not supposed to be in. And we start speaking with the driver after I, I've been on a phone call for about 45 minutes. Right. And so there's really, all of this takes place. What I'm going to share with you takes place in about 20 to 25 minutes. And I get off the phone. He goes, Hey, he goes, listen, he goes, I know about your products. I think they're great. I don't want to do the business. I built Amway back, you know, when I was 18 years old, like I just want to do the products, you know, that, that's it. And I asked him, I said, how long have you been a limo driver? And he said, um, he said, well, I actually own the company. I've been doing it for 18 years. And I said, wow, 18 years, you must, you must really enjoy it. He goes, yeah, you know, it, it pays the bills, whatever. I said, what would you rather be doing? And he said, I'd, I'd really rather be able to spend time with my family, take my kid to school in the morning, the whole thing. And I said, well, let me just ask you a question. I said, I, I can appreciate that you're the owner and you've probably worked really hard to create what you have. But I said, I said do, do you own your business or does your business own you? I said, do you own your business or does your business own you? Great question. And he, um, it, at one point I thought he was going to pull over to the side of the road and just drop us in the cane field. <laughs> you know? But um, he said, he, he, said he, was, he, he paused, he was quiet for a minute, but he's a, very, um, he's a very astute guy. And he said, yeah, you know, you're right. He said, I have no leverage whatsoever. And he, uh, Yeah, he's still the one driving the car, picking you up. At the end of the day, you might own your, you might be the owner of the company, but you're driving me to the airport at the end of the day because one of your drivers called in sick that day. And by the time we pulled into the airport and back into the parking stall, he was, he was, he reached over to his, to his, to his, to, his, to, to the glove compartment, pulled out his wallet, pulled out his credit card, handed it to Eden. Wow. That was it. And then uh, he went home that day and said to his wife, Hey, I met this couple. We're going to do this thing. They've been praying for a way to get healthy. They, they physically had some health goals. Uh, and she was like, well, what about me? I want to do it. And he said, well, you should probably talk to Eden. And uh, why don't you share about what that phone call was like? Yep. So I, I got on the phone with her and she was hesitant for them both to invest. And I asked her, I said, how often does money get in the way of you having the things you deserve in your life? Great question. She said, all the time. I said, how would you like to change that? She said, I would love to. I said, how much additional income would make a radical difference in your life right now? Great question. She said, about, about $3,000 would change everything. And I asked, what would it allow you to do? What would an extra $3,000 a month allow you to do that you can't do right now? And she said, well, our youngest is about to go to school and I'm going to have to go back to work, but I would love it if I didn't have to go back to work said, okay, let's get to work. And I pointed her in the direction of a couple of tools and templates and she, she got going and they, um, 
they were, they were an instant success. I mean, they, they had a lot of influence because Hawaiian families are all very close. They all have thousands of cousins and um, they, they had a lot of friends who were just willing to say yes right away. And in their first month, they hit that goal. Wow. They, they so how many, how many people did they enroll their first month? A lot. Uh, about 30 people, I think. Wow. And where are they now? Um, they are in terms of income. Oh, not, we don't have to do income. Just do maybe the size of their team. Do they still have the limo company? I don't know. Describe where they're at. So the size of their team after 18 months um, is about 7,500. A, a little bit unusual um, because we also opened a new market where Zach and I happened to tap into somebody that um, had a lot of influence also. So those people are part of their organization, but they've probably enrolled uh, 150 people, something like that. And they, she never had to go back to work. Um, yeah. So they got to be making 15, 20, 25 grand a month and, and maybe more, I don't know, but life has to be totally different for them. It's totally different. It's totally different. And what's interesting though is they still have the limo company. And the reason they still have the limo company is he's so, and he doesn't have to work as much anymore, obviously, but he's so devoutly loyal to all these people that helped him build this company. And he recognized, and they're all Hawaiian, they're all local. So yeah. unwilling to leave them without a job. Now, some of them have joined his team and they're building slowly and building part-time, but that's been the biggest, biggest thing for him in terms of letting go of the company is, he is, he's just, he's so loyal and he's such a good human being that he doesn't want to leave these guys, no pun intended, on the side of the road. Well, he's probably also using his limo company as a tool to meet people. Kind of like what I do on Lanai. I just drive around in my golf cart and I give people rides from the ferry to the beach, you know, because they, they got their cooler and their, their beach chairs and they're like, you know, trudging along and I just pull up and I say, you want a ride? That's how I meet my almost everybody. <laughs> I think you just sealed the deal for me. He's been wanting to get a golf cart. You just sealed the deal for me. Yep. As long as you do that, I'm good. Sweet. Oh, you got to get a street legal golf cart. I can hook you up, Zach. All right, cool. Best recruiting tool ever. See, third party testimonial. Always. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, we're at the 57 minute mark. Um, are you guys up for flipping the tables since I didn't prep you and you haven't had time to think about it? So it has to be totally intuitive. Do you have a question for me? What has been the most impactful experience in your overall career in this industry? Well, I have to say two things. Um, just two that come to me because I, I don't know that anybody's ever asked me that question before. So one is I was really fortunate. Um, to be originally recruited in 1977 into a network marketing company that was more about personal development than it was about money or products. And so I have just always been on the personal development path. And, you know, somebody asked me, this is like maybe 15 years ago. So I'd been in the business over 25 years already. Somebody asked me, how much money have you spent on coaches, not MLM training stuff, but actual transformational coaching or transformational 
experiences, workshops, seminars, that kind of stuff. And I had no idea, but I went home and added it up and it was a quarter of a million dollars. And of course that for most people is like, oh my, how, wow, that's like, yeah, but think of the return that an, on investment that I got. So one of the most impactful experiences for me was discovering the distinction of where is the, where do we get the best return on investment for any investment that we're going to make? Like about, I don't know, 11 or 12 years ago, I bought a commercial building in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. I paid $4,050,000 for it. It was a headache, a source of pride and a headache for 11 years. And I sold it for $4,150,000 and paid $160,000 commission. So it's not real estate, at least not for me. Uh, it's investing in us is like the 42 years, that's it. And the other piece that I have experienced to larger and lesser degrees at times is I just have a deep fascination and appreciation for the, the model in network marketing that creates that wealth part, which is the geometric growth of the sales organization. And I think one of the things that's missing for people in our profession is there's an avoidance to the idea of recruiting. And I just love the whole idea of recruiting. And I, I can stand with deep conviction in front of anyone who shies away from it, whether it's because they don't like it or they think there's some legal issue with it. There's not. There's not an ethical issue. There's not a legal issue. Recruiting is what defines our profession. I mean, if we're not recruiters, then we might as well have a, you know, uh, uh, some kind of table at a flea market. You know, all we are is peddlers selling a product and the founders of our company, the founders of your company chose network marketing as the model because they realized the only way to get isogenics around the world is by how many salespeople they got. Not by how much any individual person is selling, but how many people do we have total? You get a million people, you know, you're a billion. You get 2 million people, you're 2 billion. Amway is number one in the world, not because they have the best comp plan, the best products, not certainly because they have the best brand. <laughs> they got three or four million people, period. So I just love that part of our model. Like, and I just love the fact that, you know, if we can like get that snowball going and we can get through the inertia, we can get our car over here, over the hill, we can get our plane off the ground and then we just blow on it with our leadership and our love, what it can turn into is just awe-inspiring, like your story. That's a great answer. Thank you. That's good. We're at the 62-minute mark. You two are uh, just an absolute joy to uh, talk to and watch. I love watching you on social media. I I, I get a smile on my face whenever I see you. You just have such great style, great, great class, great ethics, great love, and you've crushed it, which is just a permanent shining example for everyone on your team that they can do the same thing. They may do it totally different, 
but they can do whatever they want to do. They can do exactly what you've done, or they can do 10 times more. So congratulations. And I know uh, anybody who watches or listens to this, whether they're listening to it live or it's on replay, what I would encourage all of you to do in the comments is write down what are your takeaways and, and look at it like this. Not what did you learn from these two, but what are you going to do from these two? There's all kinds of things to learn. What's the one thing you're absolutely unequivocally, no matter what, going to start doing right now? Because Zach and Eden shared their story and shared their heart, shared their experience and shared their wisdom. Put it in the comments. Share this with your team. Put a one if you're happy, a two if you're sad, a nine if you're standing on your head. That'll up, that'll up the logarithms, right, Zach? <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys. Thank you. Have a great trip to Hawaii. Sorry we're going to miss each other. Yeah, thank you so much for having thank us. You. It really is a huge honor. Huge. Thank you so, so much for everything you do. Welcome. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Richard Bliss Brooks Network Marketing Heroes Podcast. If you are inspired and are ready to create your own success story, then it is time to take advantage of some of the top network marketing tools available. Pick up the top recruiting tool that has prospects saying, yes, the four-year career and the four-year career for women. Get your mindset right. Without a clear vision, success is lost. Check out the best-selling book on vision, Mach 2 with your hair on fire. Learn to think like a successful person with this step-by-step -step guide on how to break through your self-imposed limitations. Mach 2 Vision Training is a 90-minute four-part video training where you get Richard to walk you through crafting your vision. It's a must for anyone looking to step outside the box and hit the ground running. For 10% off your order, use the discount code HERO at checkout. If you're serious about building your business, make sure to subscribe to Richard's blog for all the latest tools and articles. This success story is not typical. It is meant to inspire you and show you what's possible. It is not what you should expect to accomplish. Your income will depend entirely on you, your commitment, your work ethic, your leadership, and your ability to acquire customers and inspire sales leaders to join your team. Most people who start off intending to build a sales team do not maintain their motivation to continue.